Waheguru Ji ka Khalsa, Waheguru Ji ki Fateh. This is Jaskaran Sandhu here, Executive Director for the World Sikh Organization. And you're listening to the Ask Canadian Sikhs podcast, brought to you by the WSO. Surprise, surprise. Um, I'm joined here today with Jaspreet Kaur Bal. Dr. Jaspreet Korbal, sorry, I yes. should apologize, that's Title. offensive of me. Um, <laughs> professor at, the, at Humber College, uh, board member with Suffer, the Sikh Feminist Research Institute, and a regional advisor to the World Sikh Organization, essentially carrying the punt on her shoulders. Um, and today, today we're going to talk about uh, a couple of different topics. Um, however, before I jump into the actual individual topics, this podcast is here to cover current affairs, news, politics from a Sikh Canadian perspective. A lot of what you kind of see already with the Ask Canadian Sikhs hashtag, uh, if you're on Twitter and social media, a lot of those <coughs> same topics. Uh, but today... We're going to be talking the by-election. Yep. Yeah, I think, were you staying up late night uh, coming for the results from uh, the Pacific Legitimately Coast? Legitimately went to sleep, and I woke up in the middle of the night to check the results. I'm too old for yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be talking about Jagmeet Singh's historic win. Uh, we'll be then hopping into a, a less cheerful topic, I guess, national security. Yeah. Uh, the terror report, that still hasn't been solved. Yep. Even though that is a story stemming from December. Um, SNC-Lavalin, and what's a sick perspective on this? It might surprise you the direction we take that in. Uh, and last but not least, uh, we kind of want to touch upon the government of India's interference in academic circles here in Canada and sponsoring six study chairs, uh, which are being planned uh, in time for the 550th year Guru Nanak Dev Ji's anniversary. So, and while we have a very uh, diverse co-hosting team, you can't see us right now, yes. but uh, we got a little bit of Sikh and a little bit of Canadian. Yes. Um, we do not represent all Sikh Canadians. We don't all know each other. Mm-hmm. We don't all have the same uh, opinion on things, and that's kind of the fun in doing this. Although... Can I just say, this is one of those things that uh, when people come up to me and they're like, oh, you're sick. Do you know uh, Digme? Do you know Navdeep Baines? And like part of my training around like race is like, you can't ask that. That's a racist question. We don't all know each other, but we do. So it's like yeah. really hard to start we answering actually do that know question. All yeah, yeah. So like I'll say like, this is Ask Canadian Six. We don't know what all Canadian six think and say, but yeah, we do all know each it's other. It's like when I'm, when I'm out and, about like in Toronto or something, yeah. like, you know, non upper and like circles. Yeah. People are like, oh, you're from Brampton. Yeah. Do you know so and so? Yeah. And just inside my head, I'm like, God damn it, I actually do know so and so. Yes. And yes, it's a small world. Yeah. And um, how, how many times my like um, husband that looks nothing like Jigmeet Singh has been congratulated on his wins? Yes. Because he's like a, the Malawian guy in Toronto. My, rec- yeah. my recommendation to folks like that is just. Take the Holy, like, just embrace yeah. that and say, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. you know, you're welcome. Yeah. I, I'm doing this for all of you. Uh, someone you can't see and can't hear, um, obviously you can't see because it's a podcast, but yeah. someone you can't see is Shinda Singh, our engineer, our sound engineer here today. Thank you, Shinda, for everything. Um, Insert ho- applause clip here. Yes, applause, yes, thank yeah. you. Good job, <laughs> like loud cheering noises. Um, so we're going to hop right into this. Let's do it. See you right after the jump. So on February 25th, Burnaby South did something historic, regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum or what you personally think of Jagmeet Singh. They sent the, the first racialized uh, yeah, leader, of a, leader. Of, a, of a major federal party to uh, the Hill, yeah. uh, and they sent the first Sikh, uh, to, a leader yeah. of, a, of a party to the Hill. Pretty, pretty. 2019, uh, and we've never had a person of color um, leading a political party in Canada um, that has had a seat in Parliament. So, yeah, it's exciting. And I think that is pretty exciting. And I, it, there was a lot of reaction uh, that came from uh, the sick Twitterverse and the, the sick community. Yeah. Again, regardless of your pol- political stripes, that we're actually pretty happy to see him go. Um, he's been having a, 
at least a perception of a, of a rough ride for a bit, just yeah. sake. So to have him win, yeah. finally have a nice little story uh, that he can kind of stand on uh, and give that speech that he did about, yeah. hey, you know, those little kids out there that think, you know, can I be a prime minister one day? Well, now you can. Yeah. Right? Like, and there was a lot a of things example. that were that had never happened before. Like there um, for a party leader um, to get a seat in a by-election, usually other parties will understand. Like as a courtesy, we do want this party leader in here. So we're not going to give it a real run in that writing. The Green Party sat this one out, but mm-hmm. the liberals went for it. They, they gave did. Him, yeah. They tried really hard. They really did. Yeah. Which is kind of like, uh, this is, I think, a theme as well. Like all of the things we thought in politics where they weren't written rules, but it was kind of like, we're going to play nice and this is how we're going to do it. We're seeing an era of politics where all of that is being thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. So while Jigmeet won by a comfortable margin, um, that, so um, I'm pulling up the results here. He had uh, 38.9% of the vote. Liberals had 26%. Yes. That's 26% considering their initial candidate that they put forward right. had to resign unceremoniously and then they put in a new person and they that person still got 26 percent. so the liberals did put a genuine effort into this yeah her situation uh, was a little was a little strange because it was clear that the party forced her out and then she tried to hold this press conference the next day in the library where yeah. she wasn't allowed to have the press conference yeah. uh so it was a really messy affair uh Kind of embarrassing for her because then, like, her mom started crying beside her. Anyways, Yikes. that's besides the point. But it yeah. was a very interesting by-election. Yes, um, one to watch. And, and it did bring up a specific topic that was um, kind of like uh, the worst-kept secret about uh, a lot of campaigning that happens in uh, really diverse communities. Mm-hmm. It's like where she's on WeChat. Uh, I think is yeah. the, the Chinese yeah. uh, messaging service uh, that where she essentially said vote for me because i'm the only chinese candidate and vote it, for that guy because he's the indian thing is like it wasn't even overtly racist and when you're seeing the headlines you see that like she had to step down because she said something racial um and it's kind of like uh the and i don't understand because it wasn't a, the original message wasn't in english i'm not sure how it translates into english but haven't i said enough stuff in punjabi that would translate poorly into English. Like, I'm the first person to say, I'll never run for anything. I have too much gun that has been screenshotted, and yeah. I've said too many things about you're, too many you're, people. It's impossible to elect you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got skeletons. I'm not going to... They're not out there for everyone. But, like, was it really worth stepping down? I don't know, because I know that we've had enough conversations. And I also know that um, voting based on race and ethnicity and religion is a real thing. People will vote based mm-hmm. on affinity, and that it's a real campaign strategy that people use. Right. Yeah. If not said out loud. It's not said it out loud. It is definitely said quietly in campaign And it's rooms. very much a part of how campaigns are organized. And, like, you will get people, like, you will, if you have uh, people who speak Gujarati, you'll get the person who's doing phone canvassing that can speak Gujarati. Mm-hmm. And so, like, those kinds of, like, where's the line? Like, those kinds of things, the premise of those things is that, like, people are going to uh, vote based on affinity with race and culture and language. But then to actually say it out loud and to have the candidate say it out loud becomes, like... Right, down. but I, I think it is fair to be a little upset with how it went around because uh, just the heightened national attention on that writing, yeah. I, I think, was quite, kind of what elevated that um, that incident. Um, and it's kind of like this underlying racism that Jigmeet Singh has been facing as a leader of of a, yeah. of a major party as well. Yeah. Um, uh, I think there was some some of those Facebook groups and stuff around the yellow vest folks that are yeah. now starting to kind of 
take over some of the dialogue, rightfully or unrightfully. I, I don't, yeah. uh, you know, I think they're kind of a and, joke. And no, no, not even just other, our own. What was that? Uh, someone, that thing where Jigmeet's wearing sandals. Yes, yes, yeah. I was going around Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it, there's a there's a bit of double standard, I believe, and yeah. we've we've seen it from day one when Terry yeah. Maleski did his interview with Jagmeet Singh and yes. the kind of questions he directed yes. to a newly elected leader is not the type he would have asked she or anyone else. Yeah. Um, so there but is. But then a- isn't it, okay? So sometimes we say that race and ethnicity and language and religion are our strength, yes. and we use that to fuel campaigns. Um, and then if someone else does it, then it becomes like, well, you're not allowed to criticize us based on it, but we're allowed to use it as a campaign strategy. Mm-hmm. So. I think, and I do think we're uh, there's different power on different sides, and yeah, you can two people can do the same thing, and it doesn't have the same meaning, right? But anyways, no, and it's not supposed to be an easy conversation, right? No. But it is something that highlighted, um, at least put that that dialogue into the national psyche a bit, right? Yeah. Like this is something we've seen in Brampton politics, or Surrey politics, yes. or you know, in Millwoods, or yeah. in northeast of Calgary, or you know what I mean? Like these are things that we've seen in our community quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and let's not let's not joke around. I mean, let's not put away this so lightly. Even in our community, you have well, okay, he's a Jut candidate. Oh yeah, or 100%. You know, he's not, yeah. or he's Duaba or Duaba, he's from Malwa, yeah, or right? Yeah, like, yeah. do you have those? Do you have that to that minute for level sure, of detail? Sure. You have kind of this identity politics stuff yeah. that takes over the conversation. Uh, but it was interesting to see how uh, the media picked up uh, that that message yeah. from the the candidate uh, the former the liberal candidate yeah. and the kind of fallout that came around yeah that in a way i think it does make uh, everyone a little more conscious about the kind of things they say and how they how they design their campaigns screenshots last forever people well, they do no, nothing yeah. on the internet is temporary yeah if you're gonna say stupid stuff say it in person yeah <laughs> <laughs> or do what other politicians do yeah just tell someone else to say it for you right? yes <laughs> don't say it yourself yes um so that was an interesting kind of um, really early moment of the campaign. Yeah. Uh, but to see kind of Jagmeet Singh carry it on the, the rest of the way and, and to win, it, it was a fairly historic moment. I, and I think there was a bit of pride I think it's a good starting community. point because I think that's something we can all agree on. And But like moving away from that, so the day after his win, there was like, I know everyone's Facebook feeds are just a mirror of their own opinions, but like I was seeing on social media a lot of stuff about him, a lot of congratulations. And there was this, un, to me, what felt like an uncritical um, embrace of this as a win for all Canadian six. Mm-hmm. Is this, what do you think? Is this a win for all of us? I think there, look, so I'll put it this way. Um, someone said, someone told this to me that this is, you can't buy. PR like this for a community, mm. right? Like if I was to go to someone and be like, I want people to know who six are. Yeah, good point. Um, and I also hire some PR agency to kind of do this. That yeah. would cost a lot of money. Yeah. In America, they're doing that. They have like a national yeah, six campaign Lord, where they yeah. paid a ton of money, uh, yeah. I've heard north of over a million, yeah. um, to kind of set up this campaign to at least tell people, not not like, not to explain the minute details of, the, of our community, yeah. just to present like, this is what a Sikh is. And our values are American yeah. values. Yeah, that, there's a lot yeah. of problems with that because Sikh values are Sikh values. They're, yep. Right? And Canadian values are Canadian values. Yeah. And sometimes they align and sometimes they don't. And yeah. that's a challenge that we have to deal with on, on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, America, that's something they actually paid for. In this case, Jagmeet Singh runs for leader. And obviously, there's still a cost to the community. A lot of people yeah. did donate to him. A lot of them are spending a lot of yeah. uh, people power and a lot of effort um, that doesn't have a direct financial uh, value attached to it, but there yeah. is an indirect one. Uh, so there's still a cost to the community. Yeah. 
but it is dispersed and hidden like in this campaign. But that's the thing. So if this is good PR, like if you accept the PR, the, the good PR that comes from this for the sick community, then that means that when he falls, we all fall. Yes. Yeah. And that's a big fear. And I had actually it was a Muslim fellow, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, who when, when things are going really a little more rough for Jagmeet Singh, um, he came up to me and he said that this Muslim friend of mine, he's like, is Jagmeet Singh ruining this for all of us? <laughs> like, yeah. will will Canada in the future always just say, you know what, this country is not ready for a person of color as a leader or yeah. someone that's visibly yeah. uh, carrying the articles of a faith, right? And you've seen this pattern with, like, minority communities where you'll have, like, one woman who breaks that glass ceiling and makes it into politics, and then there's, like, years or decades until the next person comes in. And you'll see, like, sure, Barack Obama was president. When is the next racialized person going to be president? And then you have to wonder, is this a part of a thing where like we have let one person in um, and whatever he does now he's like responsible for all racialized communities and all six and all of that and is it just like the first one and then it's going to be a long time before we see this again yeah and I, I think the onus is on our community to get a little more sophisticated right yeah. so it, it's great to have a politician in there um, it's great to have Jagmeet Singh there and hopefully he does a good job like irrespective of like political success yeah. he just does a good job and yeah. like that is not held against communities in the future what yeah what do you make of the the argument that digmeet's success in the ndp is going to split the vote on the left and is actually going to benefit andrew Scheer? yeah and it might right yeah. and it's and that's a, a real very very real fear yeah. and, and like so like for political strategists um and I guess that's a separate conversation we can have about yeah. political strategy. Uh, but yeah, like in a, let's say in a place like Brampton, where the NDP will definitely do better yeah. um, with someone like Jagmeet Singh there. And we saw that provincially where they did very well, historically yeah. well. Um, you know, that is a threat to current sitting Liberal MPs. Yeah. And, and who benefits from that? Is, you know, are we going to see something where we saw in Brampton East where Bal Gosol came up the middle because Jagmeet yeah. Singh and Gilbert Smalley split the vote? Uh, you know, and that's something for strategists to talk yeah. about. Uh, for, for me, is looking at this is, you know, there's a certain level of maturity and sophistication needed in, in the Sikh Canadian community and, and Sikh communities across the diaspora that, yes, we get politicians in. Their failings and success, yes, directly or indirectly, will be of the communities. Um, but the community should be sophisticated and mature enough that we yeah. can defend for ourselves, irrespective of what politicians do. And self-plug here. This yeah. is why I think third-party <laughs> part, uh, third advocacy organizations yeah. like the WSO are very important. Uh, but not just the WSO. I think Suffer, like the yeah. Sick Feminist Research Institute, like putting content and putting thought out there yeah. uh, that is separate and distinct from, let's say, the political machinery, yes. which our community has relied on quite a bit for the yes. last 30 years. Uh, well, now we we have to understand that, no, third-party advocacy is super important. It's it's what the Ismaili community does very well. Yeah. It's what the Jewish community does very well, where even if they don't have ministers or MPs that are sick, they're still able to get their communities uh, message across um, or protect the community's interests yes. uh, within the larger framework. Uh, so I think that's something to keep in mind when speaking about Jagmeet Singh. Yeah. Um, I don't know, any, any like, you know, Jagmeet Singh, uh, if, let's say, he does fail miserably, uh, and that's always a possibility in politics, yeah. I don't know, like, I think the community is strong enough that it will still stand irrespective of oh, what no. individual success or yeah. failures will be. This is my thing with like, um, I feel like there are enough of us now that we can be critical. There are enough sick politicians that we don't have to do that. Like we all, when Gurbakshmali went to uh, House Commons, we yes. all had to get behind that, right? Yes, we did. There's, there's enough of us now that we can um, be more diverse. But just one last point. So speaking of like um, uh, unforeseen political things, what do you make of the 11% that went to Maxime Bernier's party from the oh, Burnaby by-election? Isn't yeah. that wild? So here, yeah. here's the thing. I think people 
underestimate. Yeah, hold on. Start with for folks who are listening who don't know what is the People's Party yes. and what like what so, why is it significant that they how yeah. how could I put this? The People's Party of Canada is a populist party, yeah. right? And it's it's kind of it's picking up a lot of tropes from the alt right as well. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, like kind of dog whistling on, yeah. on a lot of different topics uh, and uh, for on immigration yeah. and diversity. Yeah, what, what was the word that Bernie used? Uh, extreme diversity or something like that? Uh, yeah. Right? So it's like... It was extreme multiculturalism? Yeah, yeah it was something yeah. along those lines. We could yeah. pull it up afterwards. Uh, but the, the fear is um, that this type of like the alt-right type of conversations and, and movements we're seeing down south in America yeah. are starting to rear their head here. And you saw the yeah. Yellow Vest movement, yeah. which is not a pipeline movement. Yeah. It, it's... It's a racist alt-right oh, movement. Yeah. Um, and you see people like Bernier uh, spouting off a lot of dog-whistling yeah. tactics that you will see on forms, yeah. like w- an alt-right forms. Yeah. Uh, so this party... And he, was, very- he essentially wasn't conservative enough for the conservatives. Yes. Yeah. That's how you... Like, if you want to think about where this is going. So, like, why does that speak to an urban population mm-hmm. when you're looking at Burnaby, why are 11% of people turning yeah. out? And, say, and it's something that they're saying in their hateful rhetoric is resonating. Yeah, so look at Faith Goldie, who she ran for mayor here mm-hmm. in Toronto. Uh, I think she came to third or something. She did very well. She hit double digits in wow. support. And she is like a white supremacist, like yeah. well, well-known yeah. white supremacist and racist, yeah. right? So... Let's not fool ourselves to think like big urban centers are like this bastion for progressive progressive ideas or multiculturalism or diversity or tolerance. Um, you know these these uh, um, these ideologies exist in yeah. Canada as well. Let's not fool ourselves. Um, and the People's Party of Canada to do eleven percent in a super diverse riding right? like Burnaby South yeah. is surprising, but at the same time, it's not right. Like yeah. the, these type of sentiments and and they're doing everything. Exist. Like le- they're setting up riding associations in every riding. Like they are doing they're a legitimate this. party. Yeah, they're, they're going to raise money this. and they're yeah. going to do well. Like yeah. relatively speaking, they're going to do well. Um, which is a big threat uh, to Canadian politics is because well now you kind of anchor the conversation further into the right. Yeah. Um, where it gets dangerous, yeah. right? It's not about economics. You're no. not talking about no. you know economic policy, which is traditionally what conservatives have tried to live in. You're talking about like social yeah. and uh, and it means you have to give legitimacy to um, arguments that yeah. are like not real and like fear mongering um, based on fears that aren't supported by facts or data. Mm-hmm. But if one party leader goes up there and says, "Well, this is something I'm." Put it, bring it to my platform, suddenly you have to entertain it like it's a real point. Well, it's one of those things where, where the Liberal Party sometimes has to outflank the NDP on the left yeah. to win. Well, is this going to be one of those things where the Conservatives have to outflank Bernie on the right to win? And then they become self-fulfilling prophecies. Like, yeah. anti-vaxxers only became a thing because we wouldn't stop talking about anti-vaxxers. Yes. Donald Trump started out as a joke, and they gave him full coverage but for the, his things. Like The he, issue, too, yeah. with the full coverage is it's, almost, it's treated as if it's like a fair and balanced um, yeah, a, they're opinion. false equivalencies. Yeah, it's like saying, "Well, we're going to keep this conversation very fair and balanced, so we're going to have a pro-vaxxer and anti-vaxxer given equal space or on stage." Or pro-climate changer. They're they're not. No, they're not. They're not, the same. They're not yeah. equal. No. Now, and if you're going to talk about uh, Bernie or the PPC, or you're going to talk about Donald Trump, these guys, yeah. then you have to also talk about white supremacy. You yeah. also have to talk about absolutely responsibly. Uh, right. Which is yeah. which is a, a real threat yeah. to the fabric of Canadian society. Yeah. 2018 public report on terrorism threat to Canada. What do, what feeling does that elicit out of you? Um, 
rage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just anger. Yeah, it, it's the kind of feeling where you like uh, spent a bunch of money on a product and mm -hmm. then it doesn't do what you mm -hmm. want. So like we sent all these, we supported all these people, sent them to parliament, and like the key got So the Like what are we? Wanted to provide some context here. Mm -hmm. The 2018 public report on terrorism threat to Canada is a annual update on the threat to Canada from terrorism and violent extremism. So it's a it's. In this case, it's, I think it's about 32 pages mm -hmm. on the threats to Canada, and they they highlight five major threats. And this is created by um, the people that have intelligence, and it's submitted to uh, members of parliament. So it's not being created by parliament. It's submitted to parliament. Yes. And this is the part that the public can know about. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so the ministry does have a role. So yeah. there is some pol like political role here as well. I it's not so. just purely from agencies. Yeah. Um, so Minister Goodell like, you know, provides a... Uh, a ministerial forward to the document. He endorses the document and True. everything's in it. Um, and, and it's something that uh, is not just strictly a bureaucratic document. He, right? That was part, of, we'll get to part of his response, but part yes. of his response was like, I did not create the document, uh, but he did endorse right. it. And, and right. so I've worked in government as well. Yeah. And you get reports from the bureaucracy, yeah. but you have a right to look at it. Like yeah. the job of the politicians is to go back to the bureaucracy and be like, Hey, FYI, can you guys actually before look at this a little bit, yes. bit more before I put my name to this thing? Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm not going to let him off completely uh, guilt-free here. Uh, but that's what the report is. And there's five major threats that were listed out in the report. Uh, the first is what they, and this is, the, I'm using their language, uh, Sunni Islamist uh, extremism, mm -hmm. uh, right-wing extremism. And there they talk about like white nationalism and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, then they have uh, Sikh, and in brackets, Khalistani mm -hmm. extremism. Uh, and that's where everyone gets angry. Then there's Shia extremism, and then last there's Canadian extremist travelers. Um, for perspective, this is about a 32-page report, and there's quite a bit of uh, content on each of these elements. Um, again, rightfully wrong, I'm not here to debate on Shia and Sunni and the terminology or what have you. I'm only focused on one uh, specific aspect of this, mm -hmm. and that's the Sikh, and in brackets, Khalistani, extremism. So you have a 32-page report, and six are considered one of the five major terrorist threats to Canada. And this is an internal threat. So yes. I'm not talking about you know, terrorism outside in the world. It's mm -hmm. internal threats to Canada. The sixth section is one paragraph in a 32-page. Mm -hmm. Like It seems like uh, someone put this very well. They're like, it seems like they're a couple hundred words short on a word count requirement. Yeah. <laughs> and so they have to stuff in a paragraph that yeah. just can really seem Who, who else place. can we throw into the end <laughs> of the bus? Which community can we say? So the yeah. uh, it's one paragraph. It talks about 1985, the Air India bombing, which, mm -hmm. it, what, which was a terrorist attack. Mm -hmm. um, but this is supposed to be about current uh, extremism yes. threats to Canada. So there's no indication of any actual yes. to date. Yeah. Uh, extremism threat. What the report country. is implying is that there is new, vibrant, relevant threats. What the from, court, yeah. well, what this document is implying is that white ring extremism or ISIS or um, Al Qaeda is as big as a threat to this country. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, six are as big as a threat to this country as those those extremist movements. Yeah. Right. Give me a break. Like, there's no way in hell yeah. that we are equivalent to those types of movements. Uh, and that's why there was considerable uproar. Were, were, yeah. you, were you following like uh, the conversations that were happening when this report came back? And again, this report, 
uh, came out in early December. Yes, yes. This this report came out in early December. Um, I got married a couple weeks after the report came out. Yes. I not even kidding. Was had, it in your wedding speech? Uh, I this is not a joke. I'm putting this on the record. I had people I had people come up to me and ask me not to bring this up at my wedding. Wow. Yeah. They said, "Can you keep your wedding not political?" Wow. Um, so it was definitely like you know you got Mendy on one hand and you're like talking about the report <laughs> with the people that are coming to your wedding. It was a very real and relevant thing um this i i think this was a was it a wso hashtag prove it or lose it uh no, so that's or prove it or remove it yeah or, that came out organically yeah. i can't remember yeah. now where it's one of those things where i can't even recall where i first but saw this it is, this is the thing where is the well, proof? so actually can i say yeah I, the first time i personally saw it was yeah. uh counselor herkidit singh used it okay um and then we all kind of started hopped onto it. Um, yeah. But I think that was the first place I saw it. Yeah. The WSO's response was on, on December 11th, we put out a press release right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were one of the first organizations to put a, a opinion out on this, essentially denouncing it. Yeah. Um, because it was a national report that came out a little earlier that alluded to, but it was redacted to yeah. a lot of it um, after the India trip, that India was interfering in the affairs of Canada, yeah. uh, and especially in the Sikh communities. Um, the India trip itself was a debacle. Complete disaster. Um, and we can we can touch upon that as not well. Not just fashion-wise, otherwise. Like, yeah, it's yeah, not even like was he was a... wearing a nice kurta pajama. Those were really that, crappy kurta That's pajama. the real tragedy, is that people were focused on his outfit as a disaster. Yeah. The trip was a disaster. Yeah, the trip was a disaster. Yeah. I don't mind Trudeau wearing... Like up and up clothing. Like, I have no issues with that. Uh, it just it wasn't good looking. It was like yeah, terrible. Yeah, he was like the sort of at someone's wedding, it right? Was the like clearest he was. Rack of yes, Gerard. yes. And FYI, no one shops in Gerard anymore. No one does. So it's like the worst hey, of the worst there. in the clearance <laughs> section. Um, yeah. uh, not to belittle the. I actually bought my wedding share bunny on Gerard Street. Nice, uh, nice. Respect to all of our so, local business owners. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Just, but yeah, so this is there is there is no proof of what they are saying. WSO recognized immediately during the India trip mm-hmm. that the sharing of information, so the two governments had agreed to share information and share intelligence. Yes, the Canada Security Framework, yep. And WSO called them out right away that this, every time this has happened, this has put six in Canada in danger. Yes. So what was the reason? Questions for Trudeau's government. Why would you agree to sharing of information like that? What was the purpose? And again, where is the proof? We are a part of... Canada. We yeah. are a part of this society. We contribute so much. If this is a real thing, I want to be a part of the conversation. I want to be a part of stopping whatever hurt is coming to Canada. Mm-hmm. If uh, if I don't know about it, if our community doesn't know about it, we know what's happening in the community. If it's not happening, where are you coming up with this thing? Like yeah. where there is absolutely zero proof except for what they cited um over 30 years, 30 th- plus years ago. 30 plus years ago, the Air India bombing. What has happened since the last report was released? What new thing has happened? And we still haven't gotten an answer. Yeah. So yeah. what has changed in the last 12 months except that for this makes, India trip that makes six yeah. one of the top five extremist threats in Canada. Yeah. And, and we all know it's outrageous. And, and it the, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you say to you say we're gonna create really uh, we're going to increase our intelligence sharing with India. And India says, if one person in a report from India says there is this threat, then it becomes a part of the paperwork. Then it becomes a documented threat, regardless of whether it's supported by facts or not. Mm-hmm. So now you can, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now you can cite it in Canadian reports, and now you can say it's well, a it, real it's, thing. It's a document that you can pull from, and it has yep. legitimacy behind it. Yep. Um, 
Now, and then the, there was a then the Indian government. So Indian government says, "Hey, there's uh, threats in Canada." Canada puts it in a report. Hey, we have it from an agency. We have information that these threats are happening. And then Indian um, journalist, yes. yeah, Indian media was like, "See, now the Canadian government is backing up yeah. that there is sick threats." And yes. it's they. It was so well played. Like honestly, the, the, well played. The Canadian, Canadian government, government got played. Yeah. Like let's just put yeah. it. Let's put this blunt. They yeah, got played. Um, uh, when you look at this, yeah, in, in, in conjunction with the India trip debacle, yeah. the India-Canada security sh- uh, framework, which puts six lives at risk. And yeah. we've seen, it, factually, we've seen this in yes. the past when there was a framework like this. Yes. The Indian government was using that information to torture and, uh, and execute people uh, extrajudicially in India, um, which is why the report then, you know, the, the Canadian government kind of moved away from doing that with India. The, the human rights violations in India are no secret. Not they look at Human Rights Watch, look at yeah. Amnesty, look at the CIA. Like, yeah. everyone has reports on that, especially with the rising nationalism under... Uh, Modi's government there in the BJP. So you see all these things kind of line up, and then you yeah. see this terror report, which lists us as one of the main um, threats to Canada. That's all. This all happens in, in the span of, like, mm-hmm. what, eight months? Yep. Not even? Yep. So you have, in eight months, like, the worst forms of capitulation to the Indian government narrative yeah. that I've, I've ever seen in my 32 years of yep. existence. Um, and I talked to the uncles from back in the 80s. They're like... This is as bad as it was during the 80s mm-hmm. when the Air India bombing happened. Like mm-hmm. this, It's almost the same kind of like the parallels here are uncanny yeah. in the type of treatment the Sikhs are getting. Uh, and it's, so it's actually very frustrating. So December 11th, you know, we did issue uh, our first uh, uh, opinion on this. I, I just wanted to read the quote from our President Mukbir Singh uh, on his opinion on the terror report. Uh, it is deeply disappointing to see the addition of the imagined Sikh extremism mm-hmm. to the 2018 public report on the terrorism threat to Canada. There's no explanation for this addition other than Public Safety Canada having tacitly accepted, tacitly accepted the false Indian rhetoric around rising extremism in the Sikh community. Sikhs in Canada have repeatedly denied these allegations and no evidence has ever been provided to substantiate yeah. them. Um, and then he goes on, advocacy for the Sikh human rights or Khalistan is not extremism. Yes. It yes. suggests that it poses a danger to Canada is absolutely ludicrous. Rather than defending the reputation of Canadian Sikhs and ins- insisting that freedom of speech is a constitutional right, the yeah. government of Canada has taken the route of appeasement to yeah. the detriment of Sikhs in Canada. Accepting Indian allegations of extremism deeply maligns the reputation of the community and has a real impact on the everyday lives of Canadian Sikhs. Absolutely. And I think this is such an important point because I will say this over and over again, the right to self-determination is something that is applied differently. The value to that is applied differently in Canada. So if you are in Quebec and you're asking for it, you're mm-hmm. not a terrorist. If you are anyone else asking for it, congratulations, you're a terrorist. Yeah, and it also shows like a, a complete lack of understanding of like just calls on in, in general, right? Like the yeah. whole the movement itself. Yeah. And you can have opinions on whether it, this is something that should happen. Yeah. Or should, you can have those opinions. We can have those debates in our community. We do. Yeah. Right. And there's and there's there's opinions on both sides. So right? where are we at right now? What is the WSO doing? So I so December thirteenth, two days later, we we issued an open letter to meet with Minister Goodell. Uh, on uh, December fourteenth, Minister Goodell released a letter uh, saying. Uh, very quickly, the term Sikh, Shia, and Sunni, among others, were used to describe types of extremism in the 2008 report. I'm confident the terminology used in this report was never intended to encompass or malign entire religious groups. Blah, 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 blah. Words matter. Yes. And here's it's a like, wordsmithing exercise. Matter. Yeah. That is like 30% of the issue, though. Yes. Right? The other issue the is issue that evidence also matters. Yes. <laughs> it's not happening. We are not afraid to help you if it is happening. Show us that why are you not sharing with us what the actual intelligence yes. is. 
who's doing it, what's happening, let us know. Otherwise, it's not happening. We're because not it's here. clear from everything else that we've seen that the evidence is not being provided. Like the report yeah. itself is missing all that, yeah. all that context. Because the other embarrassing thing would be that the Canadian <laughs> government would have to admit that they're the Indian government is saying jump and they're saying how high. Yes. So then on. So. We put this letter to me, uh, and then also a letter, similar letters went out, I believe, from OSGC, OGC, and the BC Gurdwaras, which are large umbrella uh, Gurdwara associations. Uh, and all this kind of went to uh, the ministry for a meeting. Eventually, a meeting was held. It took a long time, mm-hmm. um, but everyone's operating in good faith, on our side at least, on the Sikh community side. So on January 22nd, um, that the latest update was from January 22nd, so... Uh, that's a, almost over a month ago now, uh, where we uh, had a meeting. So the community had a meeting with Mr. Goodall. All these issues were brought up. Uh, Balpreet Singh, our lawyer, uh, had a brief prepared uh, in conjunction with all the other Gurdwara partners. Um, and this was presented to Goodall, and, and a, a robust conversation was uh, occurred. Obviously, a lot's um, being discussed. Uh, since then, there hasn't been a follow-up yet. So as of this podcast recording, March 3rd, we haven't had a, a follow-up And the damage yet. is already done. Everyone's forgotten about the report. People who needed to cite it in, in Indian journalism have already done that. Um, and also, while you guys did have this meeting with him, um, we are not a part of conversations in the cross-cultural roundtable on security. Right. So th- now here's the, the next piece. So we have... Um uh, the Cross-Cultural Roundtable on Security, which is supposed to be a space for dialogue on national security issues with diverse communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have representatives from the Muslim community, you have representatives from the Hindu community, you have representatives from other various communities outside of, like, to say, the South Asian context, except for one community. Mm-hmm. One community is missing from this one roundtable. One that you have cited as one of the top five threats. Yeah. You're not joining them could in you, conversation. Could, could you guess? Yeah. Just record. Um, yeah. What, <laughs> which one is missing? Oh, man. Get, the, just move over. Give us a seat at the table. So we six, are, yeah. are, six are not on this. I, yeah. On this membership of this roundtable, we're not on it. So we're not even part of the dialogue that's happening, the ongoing dialogue yeah. around national security issues yeah. uh, with the body that's been designed by the government to ensure these conversations are happening. So we're one of the threats. You do the India trip. You do the security framework. It, but yet, it's not important enough to have us there. Like, yeah. How does that even happen, that yeah. type of oversight? SNC Lavelin. SNC, or as they say, what's the French? SNC Lavelin. Lavelin. I obviously, um, my French is stopped at grade ten. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and it I was never, it was never much. I don't to grade twelve, and I, I can't conversationally so, speak French. Wh- what a, what a waste. But uh, the president of the World Sick Organization can speak French. Yes, he can. Very and well. we have Shout a very good Quebec saying. team that speak yes, French, and absolutely. that does great work for us, um, for the sick community there. That's been kind of bombarded. Yes. Uh, on religious freedom issues. However, yes. SNC Lavalin. SNC Lavalin. Now, All I right. don't want to talk about the actual nitty gritty of the scandal. I'm going to do like a 30 seconds of the scandal and then we'll go into. Sure. Okay. So, um, SNC Lavalin is a Quebec based engineering construction firm yes. that um, has allegedly committed uh, atrocities and supporting. Uh, dictator regimes overseas and uh, paid for prostitutes and all of these allegations. Um, They are under uh, criminal investigation in Canada and the uh, Liberal Party of Canada um, in a budget bill slipped through um, DPA. So we can now do deferred prosecution agreements in Canada, which instead of being charged as a criminal, um, it defers that um, and instead you pay fines and you uh, there are other things that you do. So um, the Minister of Justice, uh, she, uh, at the time that this was going on, Jody Wilson-Raybould, met with different, she was a liberal minister, she met with multiple people who had very frank, 
very well documented, uh, frank conversations with her about what the impacts would be of um, if SNC Levin was uh, given a DPA, a deferred prosecution agreement. And she had made her decision that they wouldn't be, and then different people were coming to her to talk to her about uh, what that would mean, including the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau himself. So she um, was uh, shuffled out of her position and went to be Minister of Veteran Affairs. And the conversation now, she testified um, saying exactly what happened, and she's saying that she was pressured um, to do this DPA, and it goes against everything she believes in. And so now there's this kind of, question and it's been there's been a huge fallout and yes. very negative for the liberal party um as one i think it was a cbc article put it it's like watching uh, watching justin trudeau go through this is like watching a unicorn die yes uh, so the unicorn is dying and what has emerged is this incredibly strong um indigenous woman who chose her principles over choosing her party over what her party wanted um and uh, this, it, all Canadian issues are sick Canadian issues, and this one especially links to sick Canadians because she has essentially done what well, one of my biggest criticisms of sick MPs have been is that they don't take their sick key into the political realm. They just become politicians that then end up being sick. And we see um, an Indigenous MP who actually did both. She She's was like an a Bunthic Indigenous. She is a Bunthic Indigenous, yeah. yeah. So I, I wanted to read. So she gave us very long testimony, which was a bombshell. It Listen took, to the whole thing. It took over yeah. the Canadian news uh, way, uh, the Canadian news uh, circuit for a couple of days. It's been two, three weeks of this yes. now. But since her yeah. testimony, it's blown up to a whole new proportion. This is actually a very large scandal for those of you listening outside of the outside of Canada. I know we have a lot of followers in the UK and America, uh, and India as well. <laughs> this uh, is our first podcast. No, no, no generally, yeah. I, I see, I see all the analytics of everything we put out. Antigua, Antigua. Um, just trust me when I say stuff. <laughs> just be cool. um, So I wanted to read out just the last, the ending of, of her testimony here. Um, I will conclude by saying this, and this is Jody Wilson Rose speaking. I was taught to always be careful what you say because you cannot take it back. I was taught to always hold true to your core values and principles and to act with integrity. These are the teachings of my parents, my grandparents, and my community. I come from a long line of matriarchs, and I'm a truth teller in accordance with the laws and traditions of our big house. This is who I am, and this is who I always will be. Beautiful. And then she ends with, uh, with uh, her local uh, indigenous uh, greeting to say thank you and so long. Um, that's powerful. So powerful. So powerful. And she, so again, I guess now that you've brought into, that we have people outside of Canada listening, to give context, um, Canada has a history of white politicians who are allowed to bring their whiteness into the way that they govern. So uh, things in Quebec are a throwback to France, and uh, things in the rest of Canada are a throwback to England. We're still a Commonwealth country. We still have, um, you know, we pay our respects to our monarch. Um, but that is a double standard. So people of color are not allowed to bring their race and their values into their governing. So for an Indigenous woman to bring Indigenous issues into her governance is kind of unheard of. And also, sick MPs kind of leave their sick key at the door yes. when they go. There has been a lot of silence on the terrorism report. There is a lot of silence on issues. And well, to be fair, uh, MP Randeep Sarai and MP Ruby, Ruby uh, so so that that were, well. were yes. vocal, and they were trying their best. And, and 
what happens to be a very suffocating party system, right? Yes. Uh, regardless of the stripes. Yes. But no, carry on. I yeah. think the point so, you're making yeah. was a very good one. So we don't see a lot of um, sick values being mm-hmm. used to end, and you get criticized for, uh, you know, when Jigmeet brings sick values to his and unapologetically mm-hmm. uh, brings his Sikhi into his governing, people will say, well, you are a Canadian politician. You should only be doing Canadian things and not Sikh things. Um, and here is a woman who is, she is Indigenous, she is Canadian, she is a member of parliament, she is liberal, she is all of those things, and she definitely used her um, being Indigenous to inform the decisions that she made. Yeah, it brings a good point, like... you. We can't talk about diversity and inclusion and equity and then get upset when uh, those opinions and voices we want to bring to the table then speak from the place of their of their diversity. Absolutely. Uh, The whole point of having diversity at the table is we tend to make this economic kind of we made it kind of an economic uh, thing where it's. Well, diversity is good for business, yeah. right? Or diversity is good for, uh, you know, getting to the bottom line yeah. of, of making better decisions. I will then, therefore, make better business decisions. Like, yeah. it's kind of boiled down to that but nowadays. But it's kind of, you want the diversity at the table, but you don't want what comes with the diversity. Yeah. So, like, I'm welcome as a brown woman at the table if I act like a white woman or mm-hmm. if I tow your party line or if I do all of that. Mm-hmm. And Jody Wilson-Raybould did not leave that at the door. Yeah, and... Now, if, if she was taken seriously from day one, they would be like, okay, we respect your decision. Yeah. That, that your place that you're coming from and your reasons for acting the way you are yeah. actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And that's something we should actually do some introspection on as well. Right. That's the value of diversity. That's the true value of diversity. You bring in different ways of thinking that might may be uh that might make for better decision making yeah like, and and that they what the um we don't know yet whether um the alleged interference was illegal or if it was just wrong right but it's no it's it's common knowledge that these folks were not supposed to go in and talk to her and they were not supposed to put any pressure on her uh, but they did and the liberal party kind of sells themselves on we do we don't do old school politics we have more diversity half our cabinet is women we don't do backroom deals and what we're seeing now is that it is a lot of the same stuff mm-hmm. um, but yeah so where where were the sick MPs and where are the sick MPs on all of this right yeah, yeah and, and it's a point there was a graphic that was going around um, where it's like um, Judy Rissen Rebel is willing to let go of the Kursi uh, on, on this issue yeah. on the basis of her principles and her upbringing as a, an indigenous woman in this yeah. country. Um, where are sick MPs, like, are any of them willing to let go of the Kursi mm. uh, on uh, when Sikhs are being maligned yeah. um, or are willing to go to bat? Yeah. Even if it means that we're that they might ruin their chance of becoming minister one day, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, another great example is MP uh, Selena mm-hmm. uh, from Whitby, uh, who's been uh, a very strong voice. I think Ajax or Whitby. I think they might be the same writing. Um, who's been a very strong voice for Black Canadians? Yeah. And she's been unapologetic about her Black identity and and ensuring that that voice from that community is learned, uh, heard loud and clear. Yeah. Uh, within uh, and she's a Liberal MP, but w- within Canada's uh, government. So. Yeah. I think there is a place for that, and I, I, and I know how stifling party politics can be in, in yeah. our democratic system, and it's, it is a lot to ask of an MP, but at the same time, you're, you're, you're being sent to represent our communities. Uh, Brampton is 75% yeah. of a minority. Yeah. A strong majority of them are of, of Indian origin. Or South Asian origin, and a strong majority of that, technically speaking, are, are Sikhs or Punjabis. And, and so. it comes at, like, what are your principles and what are your values? So people will say, like, for what percentage of Sikhs are in Canada, we have 
more, and you've heard this too, like there's more of a, we're more politically involved than we should be. Right. And part of, so one, it is in our, it is given to us in our Sikhi. Um, mm -hmm. Our, we call it a religion because the limitations of English. Yes. But it's more of like a sociopolitical, like politics is not bracketed from our sense. So we're, we are born and raised to be political. Um, and then we also come from um, genocide. We come from conflict. We're raised by a generation of parents who used uh, lobbying legally in the Canadian system. That's the history of the WSO as well. We learned how the Canadian political system worked so that we could fight for our human rights. And now we have a generation of children who are a product, adults, who are a product of that, who um, are not, even though they come from that, when they get to the House of Commons, how much of that do they bring with them? And mm -hmm. how much of that are they leaving at the door? And do they remember where they came from and how they got there? Um, or is it like, let's put on a Shirvani and do photo ops <laughs> at Darbar Sahib? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's, it's supposed to be more than just going to uh, uh, parties and birthday parties and cutting cakes. And, yeah. and, and uh, that is part of it, like community yeah. outreach. Uh, no, I, I would end with this. When you talk to Sikh MPs, they'll always say the same thing, irrespective of the party, to yeah. be frank. Uh, they'll all say the same thing. Well, it's in the Sikh psyche to serve. It's in the yeah. Sikh psyche to be active and engaged in political society, mm. right? Yeah, but it just doesn't, it doesn't end there, yeah. right? It's also part of the Sikh identity to speak uh, strongly and truthfully for what you believe is right yeah. or wrong. And right? I think that's one of the of really important things about the Ask Canadian Sikhs hashtag is that you will ask us and we will all say different things. So like someone who is going and serving in Justin Trudeau's parliament will say that that is informed by their Sikhi. And I will tell you that sitting outside of his cabinet and criticizing him is my job and is my duty as a Canadian and is informed by my Sikhi. So we all do different things and they all come from the same place. They're informed by our Sikhi. And to wrap up, we have the issue of a $9 million endowment that the government of India made to the University of California in Berkeley. Um, so um, the University of California, Berkeley has an Institute of South Asia Studies, and they have been funded by the government of India. Um, and I'm going to read a quote from a, uh, on a, about a, a letter they released. Um, so it says, this reveals the stance the Indian government takes towards Sikh history. It assumes that the violence of 1984 is relegated to the past, that people aren't living the material reality born out of genocide and trauma, but are rather reliving it because they try and rake up the past. Such a stance has dangerous implications for a study of Sikh history that doesn't assume a benevolence from the Indian government. It forecloses nuanced archival work if it moves to study the violence that get invisibilized or that gets invisibilized are deemed an appropriate way to study history. So essentially, uh, they have it um, on record that the Indian government was saying um, to Fresno City Council that um, talking about 84 is not necessary and it rakes up and it's reliving the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And now the same Indian government is uh, who's saying kind of like get over your genocide is now funding by like $9 million is not a small amount. Um, the Institute of South Asia Studies. So what does this... At a premier institute. Like UC yeah, Berkeley is a yeah. major institution. Yeah. So what... Um, this is... Okay. So the Indian government has uh, so much time and energy that they invest into bringing six down. So they don't do it in, there's not like tanks in the Barsab anymore. It's like uh, capillaries. So they have this incredible reach and all of these networks and the violence and knowledge production, mm -hmm. getting to have a say in how we write about Sikhi and how Sikh history is produced is such a 
beautiful way of undermining a community that can go unnoticed because it's not over like we'll all stand up in arms if we see someone pointing a gun at us but this is not someone pointing a gun at us this is a this is a very subtle way of doing things it, it very worrisome right yeah. so there's been some conversation in, in light of um good coming up in for the 550th anniversary um that the Indian government, and they already have mm-hmm. broadcast this to a certain extent, like they're going to be hosting events across the country, mm-hmm. across the world, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that they're going to do is they're going to fund a bunch of research chairs uh, or, or six study chairs at major institutions across yeah. the world. And if I'm, let's say I'm University of Toronto, or yeah. oh, I think University of Toronto has a six chair. Has already. a six studies chair. Yeah. That, that one was by six that's, foundation. That's think, funded right? by different people, yeah. yes. So... Well, let's just say whatever the University of Canada and yeah. uh, and the Indian government approaches me. If I'm just like some guy sitting at the University of Canada, yeah. I'm like, well, this seems legitimate, yeah. uh, and they're throwing money at universities that tend to be starved for yeah. more cash. Yeah, it, it's hard for them to say no, and yeah. in their eyes, they think it's all the same anyways. You know, it feels all the same. I had someone from America say to me that six in Canada, like you're such conspiracy theorists. Why do you think the Indi- the Indian government's not here? They're not listening to your conversations. They're not that into you. And I was like, so this is the Indian government infiltrating Canada has been my lived experience. Like mm-hmm. it has been my family. It has been my phone lines. It has been my life. Uh, so don't, t- one, don't tell me I'm paranoid. And two, um, six in, ca- in the diaspora, six in Canada were such a force uh, post 84 uh, that the Indian government still has their eye. They're obsessed with us. We're like yes. that. We're that girl that yeah. like, you know, they keep going back and seeing how we're doing and yeah. keep like scrolling through our Instagram. The Indian government hasn't gotten over us and we have like slowly and silently gotten more powerful. So yeah, they're still very much invested in bringing us the down. Six, the six in Canada are, this is a bold statement to make. We're that girl for that. Yeah, yeah. No, like we're, we're the beacon on the hill for a lot of six in the diaspora yeah. across the world. Yeah. Right. And you hear it all the time. Like, Man, the six in Canada have it figured out. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, yeah, I think we are very successful. I, I think it's very easy for us to kind of um, make fun of our own community all the time. Yeah. And every community does this. But there is a lot more to be proud of than to be ashamed of, yes. in my humble opinion. Yes. And I think there's a lot of good things happening. And there's a lot of more good things that need to happen. Don't Absolutely. get me wrong. Um, but this is one of those things where, yeah, it's a very quiet um misrepresentation of the Sikh identity yeah. that's happening in some of these places. And the, the universities carry a lot of legitimacy and credibility in the yeah. mainstream community. So if something's coming out of the UC Berkeley, that the rest of the, the Sikh community itself is like, ah, that's actually very yeah. questionable. Yeah. Well, we're not going to get quoted and, above what yeah. UC Berkeley puts and let me, out. And like, if I can shed some... So like, as a professor, I tell my students that they need to cite peer-reviewed journal articles. We hold those to a gold standard. And if you look at who's producing peer-reviewed journal articles about Sikhi, we come from an oral tradition of history. We come from like beautiful Kathavajiks, um doing Prachar uh, of Suresh Prakash. We don't have like people who are writing from the academy and owning Sikh history. We don't have Sikhs writing Sikh history. So what happens when people need valid resources that they can cite for what's happening and who Sikhs are, they're not going to turn to, like Yanni Pinderpal saying, they're going to turn to, um, like McLeod, they're going to turn to people who are sitting in their ivory tower, who have no lived experience of Sikhi, who are being funded by the government of India. And um, and also, if I can share, like as a researcher and as a writer, when you are getting money from someone, they do have, like they can uh, send your abstract back to you and say, like, this doesn't fit yep. within the boundaries of this. And when you're publishing peer review, you're, um, quote unquote blind peer review, those people can come back to you and say, like, changes. I had 
a chapter that was rejected from a British um, uh, anthology because they said, you cannot say that what happened to Indigenous people in Canada was genocide. They said you can't use the word genocide because while Canada has apologized for residential schools, Canada has never gone on the record saying it was a genocide. Um, and I cited the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. I cited a bunch of Indigenous writers, but they said take the word genocide out, more or less, in very, like, coded language. They said, take out the word genocide or you are welcome to publish your paper somewhere else where it's more welcome. So there is there is definitely control that comes from funding. There, it, it's not like a blind thing yeah. where, like, if someone gives you the money, you can then go and write whatever you want. There is not as much academic freedom as people think there is. This is a dangerous What is move. the scene right now in Canada, though, as far as six uh, chairs go? Like, so, six study chairs. Like, what, what's actually the landscape at this moment in time? So there is a six studies chair in UBC and there is Carlton has one as well uh, I don't know about Carlton okay. uh, Carlton has uh, they, they have the India studies they have like yeah and yeah. they have a class on Sikian I, I presented out there once for them uh, but UFT has is has funding for a six studies chair and then just hired the first professor mm-hmm. for six studies uh, but they don't have and I know the University of Calgary um, there's been some poking around about setting up a, a chair there yeah. as well and I, I think there's they're starting yeah. the preliminary rounds of kind of yeah. figuring out fundraising and if I can if I can plea to academics and fundraisers please make sure that people who are sick academics have a lived experience of Sikhi mm-hmm. it is not good enough to be a white person sitting on the outside race matters lived experience matters representation matters it is 2019 and we still don't have six who are academics on Sikhi. so what's the quality of the six uh, chairs that we have right now at universities or I the sick classes like how yeah. what would what would you give a grade to them i have not sat through a sick class myself and yeah. i don't i'm not i'm honestly not going to critique them because i don't know enough about um the folks that are doing the work in canada um but that's I, I can say with confidence there's not enough actual Sikhs who are sick academics. Mm-hmm. I get pulled into things because I am an academic and a Sikh. Yeah. But, like, my my work is on, like, children's rights. It's not on the, the Sikhi part is my passion. So, mm-hmm. like, whenever they try and, like, when they need that person, they come to me. But I'm not. not yeah, I, I've, I've dealt with um, Harjit Gadawal, who's uh, in Alberta, mm-hmm. um, who's, is, who's a Sikh yeah. uh, and who speaks on Sikh issues. Um, yeah. But it doesn't seem like there's many like that. No, uh, we need more. And we need we, more yeah. of that in the academics. Yeah. And like, shout outs to like WSO and to Balpri Singh and to yourself, because this is literally like two paid people we have at WSO and um, is the only people in Canada who are making a real difference. Mm-hmm. Like there are other... I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah I, uh, I, on the political... Yeah, so other I, Sorry, other organizations are obviously making like... Save a food bank feeds people. They're yeah, making yeah, a real yeah. difference. But in the political, <laughs> <laughs> that was a shot. In the political landscape, like Balpri Singh is like a one man operation that yes. gets stuff done. Like if you can wear your kafan on a plane, that's one human that being is, that that's did Balpri that. Singh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know, and there's a lot of moving parts to that. And but it is very difficult when you don't have people full time dedicated to something. It's yeah. so difficult to mobilize and actually do the hard work. It, it, you're adding like five years yeah. to your project time. Like if yeah. you don't have a paid person. Uh, doing it. Uh, so how, if someone important. wanted to donate to the World Sick Organization because they have so much respect for how yeah. much work they have done to change their life. Yes. yes. You look, you can go online, worldsick.org. Uh, there's a donation button. Click right. on it. You can do monthly. You can do one time. Um, there's a lot of ways to give back. Uh, you know, we have events all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I, kind of looping it back uh, to the conversation about the academics, it's important that we have people consider this uh, career options. Yes, yes. Uh, and also, it's important to our SSAs, and they are very active, our six student associations, uh, 
to actually be very actively involved with their in the institution that they're in yeah. to ensure that you know six subjects or that say six chairs are coming yeah. in or being set up that they're actually held to account for sure uh, to uh, at least you know, to the best of our ability that uh, captures the key in its truest yeah. sense. Um, and that's something that, you know, something that all of us have to be kind of vigilant yeah. about. It's these th knowledge production that has to do with Sikhi. Make sure the people who are producing knowledge around Sikhi have a real connection. Like, have they done their mul mantra that morning? Have, do they have a relationship with Barney? That's, yes. that's at the core of it. That's something I got to work on, too. <laughs> do your part, people. Yes. <laughs> and that's it for our first uh, podcast uh, episode of Ask Canadian Six, the podcast. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening and giving us a chance if you made it this far. I, I know how difficult that is. I'm an avid listener of podcasts as well. And sometimes I'm just like, ah, screw it. Um, so uh, we thank you for listening. Uh, we hope this was a fruitful conversation. Uh, and actually, we want to make this a dialogue with the community. So you have the Absolutely. hashtag. If you ever want to ask anything or want us to cover anything, you know, shoot us what you want uh, us to talk about. This podcast is once a month at this point, and depending on... Uh, how we feel we may add more episodes uh, we may do ad hoc episodes here and there yeah. if we have a special guest coming down or something we just want to cover something like that uh, however or if the Canadian government throws or, us yeah. on another terrorism yes. report yes. we'll put out a <laughs> but as, yeah. as far as fixed episodes go it'll be uh, the first week of every yeah. month is when we're going to be dropping if you're reading something during the next month and you think I want to know what a sick Canadian perspective would be on that use the hashtag we'll go through and search them we'll find the article that you were yeah. reading you can always DM us so you can follow us at, so all our social media platforms are the same hand it's at WorldSickOrg, O-R-G. Um, so all of our handles are the same, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, you know, what have you. Uh, you can hop on and, and be part of the conversations. Uh, thank you, just Yeah, for thank being, you. being part of the conversation. Good uh, first podcast. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, hopefully this, uh, this does really well, and uh, we continue to do this on and on and on. Again, the first week of every month. Thank you so much. Wahegu Jika Kasa. Wahegu Jika Kasa.